Hello, my friends. Well, lucky, lucky you. You get to have me for a second time this week doing another episode. And this episode is just going to update you from the last episode that I did about my colonoscopy. Uh, But before that, just two really quick things. Number one, if you do like the show, if you like to listen to it, if you are a regular listener, or maybe you just discovered it, I would love you to support the show by simply going and voting for me in the 2021 Podcast Awards. It's very easy to vote. I'm going to put the directions down in the show notes of how to do it. I will tell you that there's only about a week left of voting. So please, if you are going to vote for an older gay guy show, please, please do it right away. And the second thing is, I've mentioned before, I'm doing a live streaming show for Joey After Dark, the brand new show. That's going to be on this Saturday, and I'm going to be doing it from 11 o'clock a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Time in the United States. And you can hear the show by going to pride48.com, click the Listen Live player on the first page, and also please consider going into the chat room. You'll see to the right of that, you enter the chat room, and that way there you can participate in the show, talk to me, make comments. I'm going to be doing some of the vintage TV trivia questions and see how fast people can get those answers, as well as I'm going to tell you two, count them, two true-life erotic stories that I think you're really going to enjoy. So don't miss that official launch of Joey After Dark this Saturday. Okay, so let me tell you about my little experience yesterday. The title of this episode is Colonoscopy Fun. (laughs) I am Joey Hernandez. Thank you for joining me today. AdamMail.com has partnered with an older gay guy show to bring you the finest in all things sexual. From lube and condoms to sex toys that could have been invented by Dr. Frankenstein himself, AdamMail.com has everything you could possibly need for out-of-this-world orgasms. And as a listener of this show, AdamMail.com is offering you a special deal. You can get 50% off almost any one item, and that includes free shipping right to your door. Go to AdamMail.com and check out their amazing inventory. And then be sure to use the discount code AOGGS, which stands for an older gay guy show, AOGGS at checkout to get your special savings. Adam Mail has got you covered. Now, in the last episode, I told you that I was having a colonoscopy on Wednesday, which was yesterday, and I finished the preparation for it okay. It wasn't any big deal. It was a little bit different 
than my last time. Actually, I, I think it was a little easier than it was last time, going back 12 years when I had my last one. Um, it wasn't bad. I was able to, I'm going to be a little bit graphic because for those of you who are on the fence about getting a colonoscopy or have always known that you should but have not and you haven't because of the unknown or fears, I want to kind of put some of those to rest. I may, I may end up bringing up some other fears. I don't know, but let me put a little bit of it to rest. And in order to do that, I am going to have to talk a little graphically about it, okay? So please bear with me. So the prep this time was just a three-day period. I could have sworn it was like five days last time, but it was three days this period. The first two days... I had to reduce my diet down to where I was not eating anything that was fibrous. No raw vegetables, which like cut out half my meals that I eat. I could have um, well-cooked steak and chicken and turkey and fish as long as it was very soft and it was cooked well. I could have pasta, I could have white rice. Um, they weren't restricting too, too much with the exception of I should stop having any foods that had red in them. And that's because when they're in there and they're looking around, if they see something red, it's indicative of bleeding. So if you've got, you know, if you've got this like little red sweet pepper stuck somewhere in your intestine, they may think, oh my God, he's bleeding from that area. So you do have to stop red stuff in those first two days and eat very soft food and try to stay away from fiber. The third day, you go fully onto a clear liquid diet. So I could have water, I could have black coffee for some reason. That, that surprises me, it being black and all, but you can have black coffee with no cream or dairy in it. I could have tea. I could have clear juices as long as they didn't have any pulp in them. I could have uh, different broths, uh, chicken broth or beef broth. Um, I could have bouillon cubes. I could have jello as long as it wasn't purple or red jello. I could have popsicles as long as they weren't purple or red popsicles. So it was very limited to what I could eat. And I will admit on Tuesday, I, it was, I would periodically get these feelings like, oh, I'm really hungry and my stomach grumbling. And then like I drink a big glass of water and I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? I, I, I can go a little bit longer. That's fine. I'm okay. And uh, I, Paco, bless his heart, <laughs> was trying to make me a broth that I thought was good. And it was very difficult because I tasted a couple different ones and it wasn't working. And then we realized we had all these Lipton cup of soups. 
And I love Lipton Cup. They're terrible for you, of course. But those noodles and the nice chicken broth that's in there, I, ju I just love those. So what he did, bless his heart, is he he strained out the, the broth, the juice, and just in case there was any little bits of something in there, he blended it and like pureed it so it was absolutely just the yellowish clear liquid and i ate a bowl of that for lunch and i ate a bowl of that for dinner and i i got through that prep just fine um now when you take the actual medicine the bottles of medicine and in this case there were two that were about eight ounces each i think and I took the first one at 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. And I took the first one at 5 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday. And about a half hour later, I started my trips to the bathroom. And it's no big deal. You go in there. Again, sorry, a little bit graphic here. But I sat down on the toilet and water's out. Oh, okay, done. Dry myself off. I'm done. I'd maybe start to walk down the hallway and I'd be like, oh, nope, actually not done. Back there again, exact same thing happens. Two seconds later, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. And I took it at five o'clock specifically because I wanted to go to bed about nine o'clock uh, because of what the schedule was going to be yesterday, which was Wednesday, the day I had the colonoscopy. And I wanted to be able to go to bed without having to get up constantly during the night or without wearing like an adult diaper or some such shit, you know, to protect myself. I just wanted it all out of me as much as possible, that first bottle. So sure enough, you know, I took it at five. I started my going to the bathroom at 5.30 and by like eight o'clock or so, it seemed like pretty much everything was out of me. I, I wasn't getting up and having to go to the bathroom. So I got ready. I got in bed. I fell asleep probably just shortly after 9. I woke up about 2 a.m., 1.30 or 2 a.m., and I did have to go to the bathroom once. Again, quite quickly. It's just a, it's not a matter of sitting there waiting for something to happen. It just happens. And I went back to bed and I was able to sleep a couple more hours. I had set my alarm for 4.30 a.m. because I had to have a second bottle of that stuff. And I had to leave my house here. Paco and I were leaving just a little after 8 o'clock, about 8.15, so that we could get to the hospital for 9 o'clock, which is the time I was due there. And my colonoscopy was scheduled for 10 so again, I didn't want to be in the car on the way to the hospital having to suddenly go because the urge just comes upon you and you've got like a minute <laughs> to get to the bathroom before it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. So I took it at 4.30 and by the time we were leaving at 8.15, I was emptied out again. I was not having to go to the bathroom. 
So we get to the hospital at 9 a.m. They check me in. They say, okay, actually, the guy's going to take you in just a couple minutes. So Paco was going to go down to the cafeteria down below and have himself some breakfast. I was so hungry. (laughs) And I said to him, whatever you get, could you just like buy two of them and eat one and a half of them and just bring that with you so that as soon as I'm ready to leave the hospital, as we're going to drive home and pick up lunch on the way home, this way here, I can just eat something because I'm really hungry. So he went off and the guy came and called three of us to go in. So this lovely senior gentleman who was the, I guess, the person that brings the people to where they need to be for the colonoscopies or whatever GI stuff they're having done, gastrointestinal stuff done. And he took us in and there were two ladies and myself. So I stepped to the back and allowed the two ladies to be ahead of me. And he's walking us around through the the hallways of where there were all the different examination rooms and waiting rooms. And he had one lady go into one And then we went a few doors down and he had the other lady go into that. And then he turned and he's like, oh, I still got you. And I'm like, right. And so he he walks us all the way down that hallway and then around and then down another hallway and all the rooms are taken. And then down around another corner, down into another hallway with them. And he found me a, a bay that was available. So he says, okay, here are all the clothes. You got to take everything off, put on the gown that's open in the back and the little sock things and have a seat and a nurse will be in and you'll get started. I'm like, great. It's now about quarter of 10. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be on schedule because they said I would be, I would be discharged from the hospital at 12 noon so i'm like ah this is going to be great i'm probably going to be done early because paco had taken a half a day off from work to come in with me because i had to have someone take me home because i was going to be a little loopy so um i wanted him to be able to get back for his second half of his day so i'm sitting there i change my clothes and i stuff them all into a bag and I get up on the table and I lay down and they have this awful like burlap blanket for you and I covered myself with that and I'm just laying there and I'm laying back and I'm still I still have my face mask on because everybody had face masks on so I kept my face mask on and I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there And my phone was tucked away in my bag of clothes. And for whatever reason, I thought if I get up and I get that and I dig it out to see what time it is, then they're going to come in and I'm going to be like, oh, sorry, and put it back and go. It, it, It just seemed like it would be an inconvenience to them if I was up and digging through my clothes. It doesn't make any sense, but that's that's the way I thought. So I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, 
and my curtain was fully closed and I could see my chart was in one of those plastic bins on the wall that, you know, somebody going by could just pull it and see who I am or whatever. And I would see people going by. I would hear the beds being moved down the hallway for people going in for procedures. And I'm still sitting there and nobody has come in other than the guy that assigned me that bay. And so um, I'm sitting there and then the thought occurred to me, shit, if I had my phone, not only would I know what time it is, but I could film a video of me laying around in my bay in my hospital gown with my mask on. But my phone was almost dead and I didn't know if I was going to have to be able to text Paco to tell him when to come to meet me. It ended up that it ended up that they took his phone number so they were able to get in touch with him. But I didn't know that at the time. So it had to be uh, 30 minutes, easy 30 minutes of me sitting there and waiting and waiting. And once in a while, I'd see somebody grab my chart, even though the curtain was pulled. I'd see them grab the chart. And I'm thinking, oh, great, finally getting going. And then they just drop my, my file back in there and move on. And eventually, a nurse grabbed it and she opened the door and she said, I'm just going to take your chart for a minute. I want to check some stuff in the computer and I'll be right back. And I'm like, ah, we're getting going. Awesome. So she disappeared for another 10 to 15 minutes. Finally, she did come back in and it started moving. And, you know, it once once things started, once the ball started rolling, things moved along nicely. So she took a little bit of my history and I wanted to make sure that she knew that my brother John, who's five years older than me, is living with what seems like an endless stage four colon colorectal cancer because that's what they're checking me for. So, you know, I explained the procedure that he had to have done, the emergency one where they opened him up and they poured the, the chemotherapy into his cavity and rocked his body back and forth to try to just distribute that. That's how bad he was at that point. I guess he actually still is at that point. So I also told her, um, like I had like I had suggested in the last episode, that part that was pre-recorded, is that, you know, if you're nervous about being awake for this or that you think it's going to hurt or whatever, just tell them that you're absolutely terrified please, please, please give me good drugs. Please, please, please knock me out. And I said to her, you know, I'm always nervous about having this kind of thing done because of a flexible sigmoidoscopy I had done 30 years ago. And yes, I know things have changed, but still I get really nervous when something that big's going up my bum. And I said, you know, if if the doctor could just give me exactly what he gave me last time, then fantastic. <laughs> and she and I ended up talking quite a bit. She lives just one street away from me. So we talked a lot about this area and all of that. And then she said, all right, I'm going to go get the IV. I'll be right back. 
and she disappeared. And then less than five minutes later, she was back and she started the process of putting it in the back of my hand, finding a vein and putting it in the back of my hand. Oh, that's what the mark is on the back of my hand today. I forgot that. I keep thinking, why do I have this big red mark on the back of my hand? That's why. So um, she was doing that, and while she was doing that, the doctor came in. And I said, oh, hi, Dr. Horse. How are you? So glad you could come back and do this for me. And I ran down the exact same thing with him. I told him about my brother. I told him about the flexible sigmoidoscopy. I said, whatever you did last time, please do the exact same thing. And he's like, no problem. And then he said, um... Now I have an I don't I don't remember if it was it's not it wasn't an intern doctor whatever that doctor is a resident doctor I, I guess it's a resident doctor uh, that I had previously met she had come in and talked to me a little bit and he said she's actually going to do the procedure but I'm going to be right there observing and assisting as necessary and if at any point you feel like she's not doing something the right speed or it's hurting you in any way you just speak up and i will take over and i'm like uh doc i i, I don't want to be able to speak up <laughs> i don't want to be able to judge whether or not this doctor is doing it <laughs> To, you know well or not i don't want to know that <laughs> i just want to go sleepy buys and wake up later and he's like okay well we'll see what we can do and i'm like oh fuck what the fuck does that mean so they roll me down and they roll me into the new room where they're gonna do the procedure and there was a lovely nurse there that was going to be the operating room nurse that was going to assist. And so, again, once more, I had to tell my entire story to, specifically because I wanted everybody to know, I want to be knocked out. I don't want to know anything. And she said, well, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sedate you, and you're going to feel pretty out of it. She said, you will probably forget what happens. And you'll be very relaxed. And if you are in, uncomfortable in any way, you speak up and we'll give you more medicine, you know, more of the, the drug. And I'm like, can't you just, <laughs> can't you just give me that anyway? <laughs> and then if I still say it hurts, you can give me even more of the drug. And she's like, eh, it doesn't really work that way. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to trust you, but I hope it, you know, if I'm just, if I'm in discomfort, I'm going to let you guys know and drug me up, drug me up, drug me up. So she put me into the position and she said, all right, I'm going to stop putting the stuff through the IV. You're going to be very relaxed. You will probably go to sleep. And I'm like, one can only hope. <laughs> so she starts it. And at this point now, she's the only one in the room. Neither the doctor, Dr. Horst, who is going to be the main doctor, or his resident doctor that was going to be doing the procedure, neither of them had come into the room. It was just me and the nurse. And I'm laying on my side. She said, now just 
close your eyes and just do some breathing and try to relax. And I'm like, yeah, easy, easier said than done, lady. <laughs> you, you know, let's change places, okay? So I said, all right, I'll try. So I closed my eyes and I started doing some deep breathing. And the next thing that I remember is kind of the feeling like I was going again that kind of water is coming out of me kind of feeling. And I immediately think, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I feel like, you know, it must be really unpleasant for them. I hope I didn't poop on their hands. I hope I didn't poop in their face. I don't know exactly what was going on. But I just knew that was happening, and I did know that I was there having it done because I remember having that thought of how bad I felt for them having to deal with what's obviously happening, water's coming out of me. And I remember saying something about, I'm so sorry, I think I'm, I'm going. And she's like, no, that isn't what that is. That's just a, a different feeling from it. Don't worry. I guess it was when they were pulling the tubed back out and I fell right back to sleep again and after that the next thing I remember is waking up back in a bay for recovery and so it wasn't bad I gotta say it, it didn't hurt but I was more aware that something was going on than I did the first time although it was like in a dream and it was like a five-second dream. And then I went right into a deep sleep again. So I got to tell you that it did not hurt at all. It did not feel like any air was put up you, which is the first thing they do. Because I did ask, did you fill me with air first? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, where did the air go? <laughs> you know, usually... I would think you, you would have to expel it in the bathroom or whatever, you know, yourself. And she's like, oh, we have ways of getting it out now, too. And I'm like, oh, wow. And the only recollection I have is of that one feeling that didn't hurt, but it just felt like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm taking a shit on you, I think. But that wasn't the case. So I woke up and the doctor came in and he said, okay, here's the deal. He said, we found absolutely nothing. You were 100% clean as a bell like last time. No polyps, nothing that, you know, we had to remove to send to cytology and nothing to worry about. He said, however, because of your brother's history, he said, I do want you to get it done every five years for the remainder of your life. He said, let's just always be watching for it and catch it ahead of time if it happens. So I said, okay, yeah, I can deal with that every five years. That's fine. And I was really, really woozy. I was having trouble standing up and not falling over. So I changed my clothes. Paco took me home. I was a little unsteady on my feet, even when we got back here to the house. And I ate lunch. He had picked me up lunch while he was waiting. And then I went back to bed and went to sleep for a while. I will say, you know, overall, once again, that there is absolutely no reason to be fearful in any way of having a colonoscopy. 
it's great. And, you know, I, I've explained previously in some of the gay health podcasts that I've done earlier in my catalog from a couple of years ago, I've talked about how important I think it is to be a proactive patient, to not just sit back and be quiet and let the doctors and nurses talk to you. And especially if it's something that's important or potentially bad news, you only begin to hear like maybe 50%, you know, retain 50% of what's being said to you. So that's why to me, being a proactive patient and making comments and telling them your needs, telling them your fears, asking questions that they might not have answered. Be just as forward as you can be. Even if you're, if you're a very quiet, very shy person, if there has been a time where you say, you know, I wish I could be a little bit more assertive. I wish I could be a little bit more dominant, especially at work, at meetings, at group meetings. I'll sit there and I won't really say much because I'm so shy. Well, if you want to work on that, if you want to try to bring that out in your personality so that you are more of a participant where you voice your opinions stronger. So, you know, in work, that might result down the road in a promotion for that kind of behavior then versus you sitting there and quietly not stay, saying anything because that's not really going to say you're a leader. It's going to say you're very shy and you should probably be behind the scenes, not in the front here. So if, if you want to work on that, here is the opportunity. Here is the most important opportunity to do that. Be proactive and practice with your doctor and try to ask questions and make comments. And if you've heard something, if you've heard rumors about a particular drug your doctor wants you to be on, Voice those opinions. Tell them what you heard. Ask questions. Try to be as much a participant as you can. Because ultimately, you know, now I have a primary care physician actually is, is retiring. I'm getting a brand new one in September. But a primary, I have a dentist. I have an optometrist. I have a cardiologist. I have a psychiatrist. I have previously had various therapists. What else? I must have other things. Oh, then I have my uh, ear, nose, and throat tongue doctor. And then I have my doctor that evaluates the external anal cancer that I had in 2005. I have to be checked for that every year. So I've got a mess of doctors Fortunately, they're all in the same facility, and that facility is connected to the big hospital that I was at. But many people have all of these things, all of these various functions, your eyes, your ears, your, your teeth. Most often, they're spread out. You're going to an individual dentist. You're going to an individual cardiologist, you know. This way here, it's linked, and fortunately, everybody has the same computer system, and they know how to look up and see what, what drugs you're taking and what your blood pressure normally is and all of that. 
But if you are a person that has these various doctors spread out, you have to realize that they don't know the medications that you are on. You have to talk about it. They don't know maybe if you have high blood pressure. They don't know if maybe there is rampant cardiovascular disease in your family. All of these things, the only way they're going to know it is if you write it down in that initial chart thing that you fill out or you constantly tell them because doctors do the best they can, but they have large caseloads. You know, they can't keep every single person that they deal with in their mind of what's going on. So I always go in with the understanding, okay, I'm hitting these bullet points. I have cardiovascular disease. I recently started on metformin for type 2 diabetes. All of these different things, I hit these bullet points every time I go into a doctor, which is why I told my story of my flexible sigmoidoscopy problem and how I wanted to be knocked out during this colonoscopy, why I told it to literally everybody that came into my bay as they were prepping me. You know, I wanted every nurse to know. I wanted the doctor to know. I wanted the resident doctor that was going to do it know. I wanted everybody to be on the same page. <laughs> and I think that works, you know. I think that makes a difference. So if you are fearful, speak up. Tell them that. I would even venture, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just giving my personal opinion. If you really are terrified about having it done. I might exaggerate how terrified you are if I were you. There's my dog barking. Go in and say, oh, I'm just shaking. I, I can't sleep. I have headaches over this. I'm so worried. You know, I'm tossing and turning night after night. Whatever you got to do to drive home to them, please, please, I'm really, really scared. And they will respond. They may not give you more drugs than they were planning, but they're going to talk to you more. They're going to listen to you more. They're going to understand your needs more. So yeah, I finished it. I got home. I had my lunch. I had a regular dinner last night. I'm going a little weird bathroom here or there today, but nothing bad. My system is definitely returning to normal, and I will do it in five years without a problem again. You know, I was nervous this time because I was thinking because I had my tongue cancer, because I had my external anal cancer, I was afraid that they were going to find this cancer. And, you know, my tongue, the thing could be cut out, you know, along with a quarter of my tongue. With the thing on the outside of my butt, they could cut that off and then they could go back in and do the borders again, which is what they did to completely excise it. If it's a cancer somewhere inside of you, then you are going to be opened up for them to get to it, as well as you're probably going to go have to go through a chemo or radiation. And I just... Uh, 
with all the shit that's going on with me medically and all the different things and all these pills I take, I take 17 different medications plus supplements every day. The last thing I wanted was fucking colon cancer. I'm like, you know, kind of looking up to this guy going, really? You know, you got to give me this too? So I said, come on. I, I, I actually, during this time, I was sitting in that bay for like a half an hour, 45 minutes. I actually was looking up the ceiling going, okay, come on now. You know, I'm talking to my dead parents. I'm talking to God. I'm talking to somebody. Come on. Don't make me have this too. And, ah, they all came together for me. They all made it fine. So I did just want to let you know that once again, it, it's something, the second time that I had it done, it's, it's something I would have done again without a problem. The prep was not a problem, despite what you'll hear. Having it done was not a problem, despite what you may hear. And so don't be afraid of it. At least go and have your first one done. If you're 50 or over and you've never had it done, go and have one done. Talk to your primary care physician about getting you to, to get one if the doctor hasn't already pushed you to do that. They should once you hit 50. And go and have the first one done. Just bite the bullet and have that first one done. And then you'll see that it's nowhere near as bad as you were thinking. And then therefore, hopefully, fingers crossed, you will go on a regular basis to have them. So <laughs> this is a little extra episode this week that I'm doing. I hope that uh, I hope that you're well. I hope that this might help a few of you anyway, make that decision to have one done. Meanwhile, don't forget on Saturday, I'm doing my live Joey After Dark show on the Pride 48 Network, and I really hope to see you then. And please, don't forget to vote for me in the podcast awards. The directions are down in the show notes. Meanwhile, this is Joey Hernandez. I'll be back with the next installment of Your Personal Trainer coming out next week. Thanks, folks. Hugs. Bye for now.